Hello and welcome to the PopBreak.com's official Oscars podcast, hosted by Marissa Carpico and Matt Taylor. everyone. This is Marissa Carpico, the film editor at thepopbreak.com, our TV editor, um, Matt Taylor. Say hello, Matt. Hi, everyone. Um, so uh, we're here today to talk about um, two early o- the Oscars, basically, uh, the two early Oscar pod. But we're going to talk about TIFF because t- the t- Toronto International Film Festival, for those who don't know what that stands for. Um, because uh, Matt went all the way t- to Toronto and saw a couple films. Um and then we'll talk, I did. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll talk about a couple other things. Uh, he didn't see Hustlers, but, but I did. So, and you can re- already read the review on the site. So, um, and yeah, we'll talk about a couple other things. And then we're going to talk about uh, we're going to make some bold predictions about the um, big six uh, categories for the Oscars. So, look forward to that. Um, but let's start with the um, the movies that uh, that Matt saw. Tiff. He was only there for what four days. Yeah, four days, um, and I jammed them with so many movies that it, it was it was like by the end of the fourth day, I was like, "Did I watch too many movies in this <laughs> little amount of time?" But, well, it, it wouldn't be a pop break person covering a festival without doing too much, as we know I did with Tribeca. <laughs> um, so, uh, lots of buzzy stuff that um, he saw and and has actually already reviewed some for the site. So check that out. We have a couple early reviews for stuff. Um, uh, and one of them is going to be The Lighthouse, um, which isn't up yet as of this recording, but probably will be by the time it posts. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the movie with Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. It's supposed to be pretty weird. Uh, why don't you talk about it? Yeah, this movie is very weird. Um, it's from Robert Eggers, who did The Witch, which is one of my favorite movies of um, the year it came out, which was 2016, I think. And um yeah, this is his follow-up. It stars um, Robert Pattinson as this young man who's training um, to be a lighthouse wiki, basically run a lighthouse in like the early 1900s. Um, he's being trained by Willem Dafoe, who is this really experienced lighthouse, lighthouse manager. And they're going to spend four weeks together alone on this island. And um, without getting into spoilery territory, um, which, by the way, the new trailer from A24 that went up the week we are recording is incredibly spoiler-like filled, so no one should watch that trailer if you want to go in blind. But that, um, That's actually the reason I didn't watch it, because I was like, oh, this seems like not a good idea. Yeah, it's. I was kind of shocked at how much they, they put into it, but to keep the plot like described simply weird stuff starts happening and the relationship between the two men grows more and more hostile and you're not sure if they're both just going crazy or if there's something supernatural happening on the islands. And um, it's really fucking good. Like, this is a love or hate movie. Um, I was sitting next to this man who was about (laughs) my age, um, maybe a little younger, who brought his mom. And... um, the mom was being very polite when he was talking about how much he loved it, but you could tell the mom was absolutely miserable. And I give her credit because my mother would walk out of the theater after 40 minutes. And then on my left-hand side was an older gay couple who both also hated the movie. <laughs> and so it's the sort of thing, I, I think it is not for everybody. In the same way The Witch is not for everybody. Like, this is a 
very dark, very weird movie that goes to some strange places. This, I don't think this is a spoiler to say, but like, I like I think it's important to talk about. It, it has some in, like incredible homoerotic overtones that like like almost it almost borders from like overtones into just full on like it becomes a, a queer movie um, from subtext to text kind of deal i love that yes and i was disappointed i never ask questions during q and a's because i'm bad with um with speaking to people but um in lar- in large crowds but i was deeply upset that no one asked about the gay stuff in the movie because i'm like this movie is very gay but um <laughs> But it's just, like, this fascinating movie, I thought, about toxic masculinity and the way, um, just, like, men can, um, just for whatever reason, they just, like, feel intimidated by one another and, like, their way of expressing that is strange and then add in the supernatural element to it and you just have these bizarre nightmarish scenes, I think, similar to The Witch, um... The scares are like there's only a few scares. It's not like a a horror movie that's like hitting you over the head. It's constantly scary. But whenever there is a scary moment, it sticks with you. Like this is a movie with some imagery that like I'm still thinking about, which is all spoiled in the trailer, which is why you shouldn't watch it. Nice. And um, and also Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe are both really really good in it. Um, the the cinematography is gorgeous. The, it was filmed using a real camera from like the 1920s, I believe, and um. Like it just it looks gorgeous. Even like even if you're this is not your cup of tea of a movie, like I think the visuals are so stunning that like you'll get something out of it. And um yeah, I just I was so impressed by it. At first I was like, where is this going? And then by the time it ended, I was like, shit, like I wanna go again. <laughs> like it's it's a movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean I kinda was like um lukewarm on it, I would say, watching the trailer, the first trailer mm-hmm. um and like the concept but um yeah the, everything i've heard and like y- you being very effusive in this moment like makes me much more interested than i would have otherwise been you know yeah i think that's the experience a lot of people will have with it mm-hmm. because like the first trailer which is not spoil anything um is not quite honest about the tone like it's um it's much weirder, and I think, like, people that go into it wanting a hereditary-type horror movie are going to be disappointed, and then people who are more interested in, like, just a weird, almost like a play, mm. but, um, like, I think they'll get something out of it. Hmm. Okay. It's a yeah, that, I mean, now I'm excited to see it, honestly. Because um, <laughs> the cinematography, I will say, the cinematography looks gorgeous. Um, mm-hmm. It's beautiful. And, like, I don't know why I'm so hesitant because, like, Eggers is. I think The Witch is phenomenal. I think about mm-hmm. it all the time. It's I mean, so I have good. a little. I have a pin of uh, Black Phillip on my backpack that I, I. That was like the first pin I ever really bought. Like for when when you know the enamel pin thing started getting big. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I I love that movie. So I don't know why I didn't. But it's like he's an untested, realistically kind of. You know, you never know. You know what I mean? He is. But I was talking about this with somebody. Um, like. The Witch is so fucking good for... I always forget it's his first movie because I'm like, how is the first movie that good? And I just think... And I don't even mean this like to pit them against each other because I like this director too, but it's like... He Robert Eggers has what Ari Aster wants, which is just like... Mm -hmm. Like, creating these horror movies that are like... Smart dramas more than anything. I I think he's so talented. Yeah. I mean, even if you just compare The Witch and Hereditary, like, The Witch is so coherent and the world it creates and like... And like its downfall, there is no downfall. Like right. its its climax is 
ex- like exquisite. And the reason I think about it all the time, everything from the human, like when Black Phillip turns into, you know, the Will, Will, Wouldst Thou Like to Live Deliciously speech on mm-hmm. is like so ex- incredible that like, and like, you know, uh, the last five, 10 minutes of, of Hereditary or why it's not a classic realistically. So Agreed. completely agree. You know? Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see that. Um, you also mentioned you reviewed um, Saint Maud, which just went the review went up today as we're recording this, um, and that is a horror a movie. I didn't know a didn't know was a horror movie, and b after your review sounds so interesting that like it shot to the top of my list in terms of interest. Um, how do you talk about that? Yeah, so for those who don't know, um, Toronto does this one lineup of films called Midnight Madness where they show a horror movie um, at midnight every night or like a genre film. Like mostly they're horror movies but occasionally they'll get like an action film or something like that. They did Hustlers. Um, as a, um, the Hustlers as a, as, a, as a midnight, didn't they? No, it, was, it wasn't midnight. That was part oh. of their, like, their galas. Um, no, um, this year it was like mostly horror films and I always try to go even though I'm never quite sure why because like I get there all the time and I'm kind of annoyed because there it's very much a gore hound crowd but um which i am not but then whenever i'm buying tickets i'm like i should go do a midnight madness and i was so (laughs) happy i did i picked saint maude because this movie it is so fucking scary like it is a movie that like truly i am still thinking about every day since the festival um to to sum up the plot briefly it's about this nurse a hospice nurse who is very religious and she is assigned to go live with this dancer, played by Jennifer um, L. I don't Ely. Know, Ely. Ely, oddly enough, yeah. I, who, who would ever expect? <laughs> no, there's an H there. But, um, <laughs> but Jennifer Ely, who's from Sabrina, um, amongst other things. But um, she's, this, she's a dancer who is, um, has spinal lymphedema and um, is just like – bitter and angry and using drugs and smoking constantly and just like the total opposite of the nurse who goes to live with her but the nurse becomes convinced that god is speaking to her and wants her to save the soul of this dancer before she dies and um what follows is like this bizarre movie about these two women and their relationship and like the length that Maud will go to try to save this woman's soul quote unquote and um like, at first I was like, where is this going? It, it didn't feel like a Midnight Madness movie for about an hour because um, it was just, like, a character study. Like, it had, like, spooky moments and some, like, like very well-directed, like, quick scares. But, like, it was more just, like, a character study of these two women and where you don't know, like, who's telling the truth, who's lying. If, like, if Jennifer Ely's character, Amanda, is, like, genuinely like vibing with this nurse or if there's some, she has some ulterior motive. And then, um, at about the halfway point, it becomes this insane, like overwhelming horror movie about like, without spoiling it, like the lengths people will go to, to accomplish their goals with, with religion. It actually reminds you quite a bit of the witch in the way it explores how like people will just use religion to justify terrible things. And, um, it's it I will say it is incredibly violent. Like it is not frequent violence, but whenever there was a violent part, 
it is it really brutal. And there was one point where I nearly was like, shit, like, do I want to stay for the rest of this movie? Because it was just so, like, sudden and so much. But yeah. um, it is very well done. It is incredibly well acted and i just like i keep thinking about it i think it hasn't been picked up for distribution as of the time of this recording but um i think like this is the sort of thing that a24 can do like a really good release with similar to how they did with the witch and hereditary like there is an audience for this movie and it is very scary i i, I really love it mm. Yeah, that's, I can't, I mean, truly, I had, it was not even remotely on my radar, and then I read your review, and I was like, shit, I gotta, I gotta see this as soon as possible, you know? Yeah, I hope it gets, like, I think it has to, like, it is one of the, I'm still following, like, I'm not at the festival anymore, but I'm still following, Mm -hmm. like, the conversation around the films that get released, and it seems to be the one that started, that, like, caused the most conversation, at least on Letterboxd, so I, I hope it gets picked up, I really do. It's also playing at Fantastic Fest at the end of the month, so... I'm 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 hoping it's so good. Yeah, you're not the only reviewer I saw like raving about it actually. So uh, hopefully, I mean, because it doesn't it doesn't have a release date yet, but it it is a twenty four. So I mean, realistically, it's it not a twenty four. Oh, I thought you said. I, oh, no, I I think it should be. <laughs> I hope oh, it becomes I one. See. Okay, 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 gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was gonna say I didn't think it had a distribution. Okay. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it gets picked up. I mean, given the buzz, and I'm sure it'll only get. Because Fantastic Fest is really, like, such a horror crowd that I'm mm. sure the buzz will get even better. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I've, I've never been to Fantastic Fest. I don't really follow the reviews out of there. So, like, I hope the crowd vibes with it. Because, like, the, you can tell the gore hounds in the theater weren't quite getting this movie. But then, like, you know, I think it, I think it has an audience out there. It's like, it's, I don't know. Religious horror freaks me out the most. Probably. I think it's like a mixture of like my Catholic guilt and like <laughs> also like growing up in the church and then leaving it. So like, yeah, you know, there, there, this movie is spooky. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, no, I can't wait to see it. I hope it, I hope it gets a, a good release date and I don't have to wait like nine months to see it. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll go a little lighter now. Um, <laughs> you were, pretty disappointed in how to build a girl right um why why don't you talk about why and and what it's about i suppose yeah how to build a girl um is a movie starring beanie feldstein who's the reason i saw it at um at toronto to be honest um it's this true story i don't know how accurate but it's the true story of joanna morrigan who is a music critic in the uk and when she was a teenager um like 16 or 17 she <clears throat> took on this person this like persona um as dolly wild who was like this really um i don't know the word like like a contrarian um music critic essentially and she had like mm. this whole persona and this cult following and it follows her um career essentially as she like develops this like following for herself but also is forced to reckon with the fact that it's like how much of this is really her persona and how much of it is like a thing she's projecting in order to get along with like all the other music critics that she knows who are all men. And um, it has a very sweet message in it. I think that I, that I think is important right now about the idea that, um, you know, when a majority of critics in any art are the same, like, it becomes so rigid of what is of what's good and like the in, the actual enjoyment of that art goes away, um, which I think is a, a very important message. But I just think this movie is like 
tonally all over the place in a way that's kind of frustrating. It has one element near the end that's, like, very dark, and I was kind of, like, sitting in the theater, like, wait, they're going here? And it was just so, like, (laughs) jarring. And then, um, like, it hits a lot of the expected beats that you that you think that you think it's going to hit from the from the beginning um it like a lot of the characters that like the supporting characters are a little too quirky and but it's charming like i i don't think it's a bad movie i think it like it's the sort of thing that i think if i watched it on like a netflix instead of at a film festival i'd probably <laughs> enjoy it much more um and beanie felsen is really really charming even though she's doing a terrible terrible british accent in the movie <laughs> that um like when the narration started, like, because the movie this one has a lot of voiceover. Um, when the narration started and I heard the British accent, I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> like, I was like, <laughs> "I was like, please be like a joke of like, like she's like doing a voice for whatever." And I'm like, "Oh no, this is what she what she's doing." And I love her to death. She's incredible. I I we talked before about how I think she's like genuinely Oscar worthy and book smart, but like, it's 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 a good performance that gets by on her charisma, but that accent is rough. Um, but it has, like, a lot to celebrate about it. It's charming. Alfie Allen's good in it as, like, her kind of love interest. And then, um, Emma Thompson has a quick cameo, which is really fun. Um, and, you know, I think it hasn't, this this one also hasn't gotten distribution yet. But I hope it does, because I think, like, you know, it's a charming movie. It's just, like, there's a world where this movie is much, much better, I think. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I again, that's the one I hadn't heard of, and I mean, obviously that that um, that subject matter like definitely in- interests me as a woman who sits in um, screening rooms all the time, was <laughs> um, filled with just men. Um, but yeah, that's I don't know. You're you're not the only person I've uh, or like critic I've seen. Like Amy Nicholson was also pretty lukewarm on it, even though and well, equally like. Beanie Feldstein's great, but darn it, um, this is not great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's uh, who knows. That one hasn't definitely hasn't gotten as much like buzz from from what I've seen. No, um, which is funny because it sold out pretty fast during like the ticket process. I think there was this. I think people just want Beanie Feldstein to do well. Like I think she's one of those actresses that everyone's just rooting for right now. But like, yeah, this is not like the next step in her descent to, um, or ascent to stardom and everything. Like, this is more just, like, a, a minor part. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so let's keep it light still. Um, <laughs> talk about um, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the, uh, uh, I don't know, biopic about, well, actually, it, it sounds from the, basically, what I thought it was a biopic about, you know, Mr. Rogers, but uh, apparently it's not quite that he's a little less active in it than i would have expected correct yeah this is actually not a biopic of him like at all essentially it, um it's the story of lloyd vogel who actually i don't know if that's the if that's the person's real name but it's inspired by the story of lloyd vogel, vogel at the very least who was a journalist in the late 90s who was asked to profile mr rogers for esquire and um around the time um that he was asked to profile him. He was going through a really just, like, dark period in his life. Like, he and his wife were, ha- were like, their relationship was not as strong as it once was. And um, 
he his dad, who abandoned him as a kid, re-enters his life because he's dying of cancer and wants a relationship, but Lloyd is not interested in that relationship. So, like, in the midst of this really dark period, he is forced to profile Mr. Ro- Mr. Rogers, and Mr. Rogers, in a way, like, changes his outlook on life. And mm-hmm. it's a movie, like... I actually have no nostalgic connection to Mr. Rogers. Like I just, I didn't watch him as a kid. Like it was something that I, that I entirely missed, even though he was like very popular when I was young. But um, like, I was interested in going because uh, it's directed by Mariel Heller, who directed one of my favorite movies of last year. Can you ever forgive me? And I was really interested in seeing what she does with this movie. And I think this movie makes some weird choices. She didn't write the script. That's something that mm. um, I, I wish I knew before going in. It is um, written by Mike, Micah Fitzerman Blue and Noah Harpster. I don't know what they've done, but you know, they, give them give them some credit. But um, <laughs> but um, they create a strange framing device that I'm curious to see how it goes with once it opens nationwide, where. Mm. The the movie's almost done as if it's, like, an episode of Mr. Rogers for adults and everything. Like, there's obviously long stretches of it where there's, like, just drama and it's not done in that way. But, like, the movie's bookends are, like, how Mr. Rogers episodes run for those who've, who have seen them or not. And there's, like, different asides that are, like, Mr. Rogers-esque setups and everything, which didn't work for me. And I wonder if... When I, I'll, I'll probably end up seeing it again because just because I think it's going to be very successful when it opens around Thanksgiving. But um, mm-hmm. like, I wonder if knowing that's how it's framed, I'll enjoy it more. But like, it was very jarring and took me a minute to just like adjust with it. But Mariel Heller is a very talented director. I think she knows how to make scenes sad and tear jerky without ever like really trying like can you forgive me is like masterful with the way she makes scenes suddenly very sad with like a line of dialogue or just like a a, a like a um a quick quick cut to like a facial expression this one is similar it's never quite as powerful but like there are some really effective moments and i will say tom hanks is like kind of brilliant in the part like mr roger is very much seen in this like as a mystery of like the the Lloyd, the journalist character Lloyd, who's played by Matthew Rise, I should say, um, Matthew Reese maybe, um, from the Americans. Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's Reese. Yeah, he um, like his character is investigating Mister Rogers and should try to figure out like what makes him tick. Why is he so nice and optimistic and everything? And like the movie and Tom Hanks were very wise with like don't answer that. And he's very much this mystery mm-hmm. figure. And I think Tom Hanks really leans into that and plays the part really well and i mean like it's tom hanks is a good actor this is not like new information but i think this is probably the best performance he's given in like since the 90s maybe like it's like he doesn't he doesn't act that much anymore as it is and so i feel like when we get a performance from him it's just like a reminder of like how good he is and this is a very good reminder and I think he'll be nominated in supporting actor probably. Um, it's but it, as a movie, I think it's just fine. Like I wanted a little bit more from Mariel Heller, but I'm extremely excited to see what she does next. I think she's so talented. Um, not a Captain Phillips fan, I take it then. <laughs> He's good in that actually. That clip went around recently on Twitter of um, like right. the ending, and that is a great scene. But I think that movie as a whole is not very good. <laughs> no, it's not. I was just messing with you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's not great. Um, 
Yeah, I'm interested to see. It's I, I kind of, in some ways, I feel like it's it's strange and rather fascinating that the poster looks almost exactly like the one for the documentary, but with Tom Hanks in it. I know. Um, <laughs> I keep boy. thinking I accidentally like logged the wrong one on Letterboxd, <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, it's the right one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It seems so mercenary to me, but whatever. You know, who am I to judge? Um, well, they actually at the Q and A, someone <laughs> asked her if um, she was upset that like the documentary came out right before and I can't remember if she said this or the writer but one of them said like if we can get like four Marvel movies a year we can get two Mr. Rogers movies in two (laughs) years and I'm like valid (laughs) like that's a valid point (laughs) completely valid completely valid um completely valid yeah I can't listen I can't argue with the logic man um (laughs) it's hilarious uh uh, let's see what there are two that you sort of um, we taught you have a list of ones that you're going to give do reviews for but there were two that you were kind of just like eh about um, we'll, you, we'll just talk about them really fast uh, the perfect candidate and sound of metal do either of those have distribution do you know neither of them have distribution as of recording I think they both might eventually like especially sound of metal that movie has like a tiny bit of buzz but <laughs> um yeah, neither of them are particularly like they were fine. And I, I there is there is definitely such a thing as like film festival syndrome or whatever, where when you're watching so many movies in close quarters, most of which are like very good, when you see one that's just okay, it like sticks out in your head as like like uh, like upsetting almost because I was like, oh, I could have seen that instead. But mm. um, neither is like actively bad. It, like really quickly because like we don't have to go into them too much. Sound and Metal stars Riz Ahmed, who I love and is the reason I saw the movie as um, a drummer in a heavy metal rock band who start, who goes deaf and um, oh. he is forced to try to reckon with like what it means to be deaf in this world where like his entire life was hinged around him being able to hear and music and everything and. Riz Ahmed is good in it. The movie does a lot of interesting things, and um, the sound design is really excellent for it. But it's two and a half hours when it does not need to be, and it does one of my like most like this one trope that I just really hate, where like characters in the first act will reappear in the third, but like their personality will be changed because the movie needs them to be different, it's like in order mm-hmm. to accomplish its goal. And Olivia Cook. I think that's her. Olivia Cook is the one from Me and Earl the Dying Girl. Yes. Um, yeah. Olivia Cook plays his girlfriend, who's the lead singer of the band. And she reappears in the third act and is like a totally different character because the movie needs her to be. And it makes no sense. And they try to explain it away, but it does not work. And it, like by the time she was reintroduced, I was like over the movie. I'm like, this is like fine. And like Rizamed's good, but like. Better writing is necessary. <laughs> um, That's too bad because I feel like she's she keeps trying, and then all of the movies she gets put in are awful. You know well, what I mean? I, oh yeah, no, she's she's so good. And then it's like her movies, um, like what was it called? What is it called from last year? With um, it's oh, what? not terriers, thoroughbreds. Thoroughbreds. Thera- she's so good in that movie, and no one watched that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's funny too because like. She's good in that movie, and it's but it's unfortunately she's she's also in it with um, Anya Taylor Joy, who's really good in that movie. Yes, and like you know, it's she almost gets overshadowed because she has to be the the one with um, she's the sociopath. Do you know what I mean? So she yeah. can't 
the whole thing is that she doesn't emote a lot. You know I mean? <laughs> but she's great. That movie's so good. Um, oh, I, I think that movie's brilliant. I watched it, rewatched it. Um, I was like, it was on HBO and I, you know, it came on HBO Go and I was like, oh shit, I'm going to rewatch that for sure. It's, it's great. Excellent. It's excellent. Yeah. Um, but I was happy. And I don't know if you knew, if you knew this. Um, Sounds of Metal, when it first ran its production, her part was going to be played by Dakota Johnson. And I'm very <gasps> happy Dakota Johnson dropped out because I do not, I do not need to Dakota Johnson to um, be wasted in such a small part. Yeah. You know what? I swear to God, Dakota Johnson is Teflon. She... She's she's in I mean there's she's had been in a couple bad movies early on but like otherwise damn good choices. Mm-hmm. Um as always this is a Dakota Johnson podcast. Yes. Um <laughs> and then um the other movie that really quickly was just fine. Um was The Perfect Candidate which is directed by I'm going to butcher this last name. This night this Haifa Al-Mansour um who directed Wajda which is a fantastic movie from like eight years ago, maybe. Um, and then she's directed since then a Mary Shelley biopic, which I don't think was ever distributed, but it was, um, like, I think it's on streaming now. Is it the one with, um, the, the, the fanning girl? Yes. I don't remember which fanning. But uh, L fan. It's definitely L fanning. Okay. And then, um, she also did a movie, which I didn't even like, I knew this movie existed. I did not know she directed it until I was at TIFF. She did Napoli ever after, which like was a Netflix oh. rom-com. And I'm like, shit, like I have to go watch this movie now because like, I have no idea. Char- what she it's directed. charming. I, you, I think you'll like it. It's charming. I think I will. Um, but this is, this movie, I saw it because I love, um, Waja so much. And I was like, let me go see what this is about. Um, for those who don't know, Haifa Al-Mansour is one of like the first and only female directors from Saudi Arabia. And this film um, follows a young female doctor in Saudi Arabia who decides to run for this local um, this local um, election as like – I forgot the exact title of the position she's running for. And um, she decides to run because she just like is getting really fed up with the conditions in her neighborhood and everything. And of course she faces – misogyny along the way but like her family is trying to help her out with it and it's very very well done and charming um i think high felt mansoor is just very good at directing um natural like domestic scenes like it's like i don't know how how best to describe it like this movie always feels like it might actually like this could really happen and everything like they're they're fan like that the dynamics are great, and I almost just wish the movie was more about like watching this family talk and hang out than like the actual story because because it's so natural. The stakes are so in the background where like it just never has like an urgency to it, and maybe that's like a very American read of like a political system because we're just like constantly on red alert. Where I'm like, this is I'm like, this feels so like calm for a movie about politics, but like. It is very well done. Like, I, I don't think it's a bad movie by any means. Um, but I just, like, you know, Waj, there was one that really stuck with me and I was so impressed by. And this is one where I just thought it was it was okay. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what she does next, though, because I do think she's talented. And this movie had a very positive response as well. Like, the crowd I was with really seemed to like it. So I do think it will probably um, get distribution at some point. Hmm. I haven't seen um, her first feature, but... I liked Napoli Ever After a lot and was surprised that, like, in the string of, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, recent, you know, uh, Netflix rom-coms that I didn't, like, hear people yeah, as effusive about it as every everybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, like, came and went so quickly. And yeah. 
it's funny to me, even if, like, the movie itself didn't cause, like, this response, I'm shocked that, like, indie film sites didn't talk about that, like, this woman, Hype Alonso, directed it. Like, she watched it was a big deal when it came out in, like, 2013 to 2014. So I was just, I was, I was a little disappointed that, like, no one let me know she directed that movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, I mean, maybe it's because of, I'm sure there's a a good, good old racism is involved in some, on some level. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, Napoli Ever After was obviously, like, specifically about um, the characters like hair and, you know, Mm -hmm. blackness. So, I don't know. I don't know. America's Um, (laughs) fucked. That's a shame to hear that it's not great, though. I mean, hopefully it's just a, you know, festival syndrome. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, I feel like we should save, no, let's do them. Um, there were two, uh, movies about Nazis at, uh. That I saw back to back. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, you saw Jojo Rabbit first and then Hidden, A Hidden Life, right? Yes. Literally in the same theater. It was like, I got out, got coffee, then went back online for the same theater to go see A Hidden Life. <laughs> A true festival experience. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, let's uh, talk. You wanted to talk about them in tandem because seeing them right next to each other really informed your reaction, especially to this, the former. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to hear about both. Yeah, I'll start with the Hidden Life, which was the last movie I saw at the festival. This is the new Terrence Malick film about. Um, let me get the name up, which I'll probably butcher anyway. <laughs> um, I don't even have the name on the description, but it is the true story of a farmer in Austria. who um, was drafted to join the Nazi army. And then while he was in training for the army, like before he was officially sent to battle, he realized that like what the Nazis were doing was terrible. And he, he couldn't like, despite what everyone, including his own church was telling him, like he knew that it was wrong to do this. And like, he thought like, it's very much informed by religion. So he thought like he was a very God fearing man. And he was like, even though the church is saying that, like I should go fight with the Nazis. Like I know what God is telling me to do, which is that the Nazis are wrong and they're evil. And Mm -hmm. it becomes about the way that decision of him to just not go to war, um, leads to him going to jail for, um, not, not, for um i forgot the name of the um the legal term but like treason essentially like for treason and um and then his wife who stays at the at the farm and her and like their children are persecuted by the rest of the family by the rest of the um the village and um it's really powerful like mm. i like i was kind of in awe in awe of it for much of it it's very much a terrence malick movie and i know like a lot of film people get very annoyed when you say that but i think it bears like emphasis like this is a three-hour movie and there are a lot of scenes of like nature and people just like sitting around in fields but um but (laughs) i i found it thrilling like and and, like and i am not i don't hate terrence malick by any means i think he's a very talented director it's just like his movies are not usually my cup of tea (laughs) um but this one, I was like, shit, like, this was working for me. Um, it's, like, very inspirational and powerful. It draws comparisons to, like, modern times and the idea of, like, being betrayed by your country without ever, like, explicitly saying it. But it's, like, what everyone in the theater was thinking and what was the discussion of the Q&A and everything. Um, was, was that intentional or, or no? 
I mean, well, Terrence Malick wasn't there because he's mm-hmm. Terrence Malick, so like I don't think like we'll ever know for sure because I don't think he's gonna like talk about it. But I it ha- I think it has to be. I think it like I don't think you make this movie and not think about it today. But you know we'll never know. But yeah. um, <laughs> but it's very powerful. Like I definitely teared up quite a bit, which is not saying much because I cried during everything. But like it's more like what, what movies didn't I cry during at um, this festival? But. Um, it is very powerful. It's three hours long, but like I genuinely like was never checking my watch or anything like that. Like it, I, like the runtime didn't bother me. The cinematography is just stunning, and um, the lead performance from August. D- D- I'm terrible. At August Diel, Diel, who's in. I, 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 I don't know. It's probably yeah. some weird German thing that you know is. It's, it's so the weird. Sounds it's probably like fucking deal or some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I should just like yell. It probably this, like, but um, like he's in. He's from Glorious Bastards, amongst other things. But um, he's terrific, and I don't know. I I really was impressed by how much I liked it. But then it was funny because just before. I watched The Hidden Life. I saw Jojo Rabbit, like we had said. Mm-hmm. And Jojo Rabbit is a weird movie. <laughs> um, I won't get into spoilers here because I don't, like, it, like most people haven't even seen it yet. So it's like, we'll have plenty of time to talk about the the, the ending of this movie. But um, for those who don't know, Jojo Rabbit is the new film from Taika Waititi, who did Thor Ragnarok and... Um, what we do in the shadows amongst other things. And, um, it's about this young boy living in Germany, um, during world war two, who is so like enamored with, um, like Hitler youth and like the propaganda of him that he's like, even imagined Hitler as like his imaginary friend. He's played by YT, YT, YTD. Um, and basically long story short, he realizes that his mother played by Scarlett Johansson is, is hiding a Jewish refugee, this teenage girl played by um, Thomas and Mackenzie from Leave No Trace. And um, he's forced to reckon suddenly with this, like, his the prejudice that he's internalized and, like, everything going on in his country and, like, that the, his elders are essentially, like, like, realizing that his, his elders are not just wrong, but, like, actively evil and persecuting people. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting idea. Like, I know, like... I've already seen on Twitter the because this movie people either love or hate. I've noticed um, the people who love it are very quickly getting defensive and being like, "This is just like woke Twitter being like, like too too PC or something like that for like not getting this movie." And like, I have no problem with the premise as a whole. Like, if redemption arcs are a very tricky business, but I think if there's a way to do them, it's about like a young like child learning to unpack prejudice, like where it's like it's not like he himself is actively carrying out acts of evil or something like that. He's like, he's a young boy, but um, like, that's an interesting angle. And also for long stretches, the movie is very much like the great dictator or like a Mel Brooks movie where it's just like, it's mocking Nazis. And like, I think that's something we can all get behind of like, like mocking Nazis is a good thing. But, um, but like, it makes these choices at the end that are just so disastrous. And I, um, like it does like a green book esque redemption arc, but in like two minutes, which is just like the ultimate whiplash of like one Nazi who is purely like an idiot throughout the whole thing, like an evil idiot throughout the whole thing is suddenly like a 
good person. And I was like, what, like, what is this message that we're getting here? Like he's still a Nazi. (laughs) And, um, and then there's one that I won't get into because it's too hard to like be vague about without spoiling things. But like another trope that I thought we long left, like hidden away comes back and I, and like, it's just, it's messy. And then, um, I don't know. Like I just was like left with this taste in my mouth because my audience fucking loved it like people were laughing it got a huge ovation at the end um even though critics are really split on it it's the sort of thing that like i do think will probably get a best picture nomination because like like similar to like an extreme ladder incredibly close where it's like yeah like the people who hate it hate it but then like the fans of it are like fucking nuts over it so like i do think it will get it will do well with the oscars but I was just like, shit, like, I feel weird about this movie. Like, it has other things, too, that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, Sam Rockwell, who really loves playing white supremacists, and um, and Alfie Allen play um, two Nazis in it who, like, are coded as gay. And there's, like, a bunch of jokes about them, like, essentially being, like, secret boyfriends. And I was like, what is this? Like, are we in the 90s? Is this an Adam Sandler movie? Like I, ooh, like, I read that in your review, and I was like, ooh, like, my, my, it just, my, like, body seized up. I was like, how is this still happening? It's like, it, it's, it's messy. And I don't know, like, as much as there are things to enjoy about it, because, like, the acting is pretty good. Scarlett Johansson's, like, weirdly great in it, which I hate to say, because she just, like... I'm sure by the time this goes up, she'll give another interview where she says something like, like horrible. But like, she's really fucking good in this movie, and um, yeah. I but I just was like, like then going right from there to watching a hidden life where like the characters are definitively like, no Nazis are bad. I was mm-hmm. like, oh Jesus, like, like okay, like the George the, Rabbit is not good. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. It's gonna be like a very awkward Oscar season with that movie in play because like. The fans of it are going to be very annoying, I think. And I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting just to see how people respond. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it because I thought the trailer was awful. Um, and all of the, um, including you, all of the um, the critics I would typically trust fucking hate it. I mean, like, mm. really hate it. So that's very concerning to me because, like... There are people I trust, and if they hate it, then I, that seems like a bad sign, you know? Right, right. <laughs> like, it's like, it's, uh, yeah, I don't think you'll, you'll like it. I also noticed, like, this movie tends to perform better with um, men than women, and I think what that What a has, shock. What a shock. A, it has a lot to do, I think, with the trope that I'm not bringing up. <laughs> and, um, like, I, I just, you know, I think this movie is for, and the, this is going to sound like, condescending but i think it's like it's truly the way to talk about it. like this is a movie that i think high school boys who like movies are going to watch and be like obsessed with in the same way that like tim burden was the big thing when i was a teenager of like you know like it's a little artsy than your average movie so like it seems better but there's a lot of stuff that i think we're gonna look back in like two years and be like kind of like life is beautiful like i think it's like i own this movie's going to age well like basically right away yeah yeah, it seems like a bad. I mean, listen, Scarlett Johansson is by on her by herself trying to make it age poorly. So you know, that's, <laughs> on some level, good for her. Um, that's what I want. 
That's the giant like act she's doing. It's like she's really just trying to torpedo <laughs> Jojo Rabbit's chance. And she's like, if I have to destroy my own career in the process, like I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a complex performance piece, which like great, love it. Um, <laughs> so fucking weird. I feel like I know exactly which character gets redeemed, which is the problem. Do you know what I'm saying? You like, absolutely do. God <laughs> like, damn it. You, uh, I don't want to say it anymore, but you absolutely no. Do. We'll talk about it off mic, and I'll be co- totally right. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I ugh, that sucks. I'm very excited about the Malik one because I like Malik for the most part. Um, I love like literary fiction, so a movie that is like literary fiction for me, like just sort of ponderous and like, you know, lots of mm-hmm. lots of just descriptions of of nature essentially is really what I'm looking for most of the time. Um, um, let's see what else. Have, oh, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, Oof. what? T- talk about that. I don't know anything about it. I actually haven't heard anybody talking about it either. Oh shit! Really? It was um. Besides the, you, I mean, you told me I'm gonna love it, which is you, you were going to pass out in the theater. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is a film. It played at the Cannes Film Festival, where it won the Queer Palm, um, and um, which is like a I don't think it's like an official award there, but like a smaller voting party does it. Not important, but um. It is this French film from director Celine Sciamma, um, who did Girlhood, which is an incredible movie from like four years ago. Um, it is this romance set in the um, set on like an island where it's only women living there, um, an isolated island where like it just happens to be. It's not like it's like a thing. Is it They're fully just... supposed to be like a Sappho thing or no? Not quite. Um, it's really more like I truly don't know if it's in any way historically accurate or anything like that. It's just like it is this story about um, this woman that needs to be married off. Like she's um, like she's the la- basically the last hope of her family to keep their wealth or something. They, they need her to get married off, mm-hmm. and um, in order to like make to make sure the engagement happens like they need to send the portrait to the man who's interested in marrying her but the girl won't pose for any portraits <laughs> so um the family hires this female painter to pose as like a handmaiden for her and like get close enough with her where she can paint her from memory essentially and oh. um the two women develop this like attraction to one another and um it's about like their romance and but also a bigger film about like women in the arts and then also about the different roles that women had and like finding liberation in your own way even if you are being like put in an arranged marriage or something like that like it's not like i kept waiting for it to become like a carol sort of thing which is not a diss towards carol of like Mm -hmm. where like they're trying to plot like okay this is how we have to run away from the situation but it's not like it really just about this idea of like like a, like, people can have these great loves and then not end up together forever. And then, um, which is not a spoiler. And then, um, B, like, that there are ways to be liberated and live this great life, even if, like, it's not one person's idea of, like, true freedom or something like that. And <laughs> it's very, it's really fascinating. It's very romantic. I mean, like, the sexual tension between the two leads is incredible the trailer which um the film is being released by neon in december um the trailer that means i'll probably get an invite to uh although you'll probably go to it never mind (laughs) um like you you should you should do everything in your power to see it right away um you're gonna fucking love it but um the trailer gives a good idea of like what their romance is like of just like 
the flirting, the like little gestures to one another to indicate interest. It is so exciting. And like, I, this is my fourth time at TIFF and, um, like the audience is very enthusiastic, but like I've only in, in my time at TIFF, like have seen three standing ovations, one (laughs) for Moonlight one for a movie we'll talk about, and then this. And, like, people just, like, shot out of their chairs as soon as it ended. It, <laughs> it's so good. I really love it. Um, the, the One of the archaic rules of the Best International Film Award is that, like, each country can only submit one film. And for France, it's, like, be- allegedly between this one and then a movie called Les Miserables that's coming out in October through Amazon that is supposed to be good as well, but, like, the reviews for Portrait of Lady on Fire are so positive where mm. I'm like, how could this one like not be their pick? Like it's so good. And I don't know. I can't wait for people to see it because I think it's going to end up on a lot of top 10 lists this year, including probably mine. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I can't wait for that. I mean, after what you had said, I was like, wow, okay. He seems really into this. And mm. then, yeah, that description is great. Um, uh, one I'm excited for just because I like Almodovar is uh, Pain and Glory, um, and you were you liked it mostly, but we're kind of mixed, correct? Yeah, it's funny. I actually just like um, went on a whole Almodovar kick because the Criterion Channel had like most of his filmography on last month, which was such a treat because I never seen it. Like I, I I missed most of his filmography, so like it was I was just thrilled by so many of his movies <laughs> and. Um, this one is good. Like, I don't think it's one of his best. Um, I think it kind of meanders a little bit in its way towards a very strong ending. But um, it starts with Tony Banderas, who's in, like, all of his movies, um, yeah. as a film director. Um, a gay film director who I don't know how much he's supposed to be like Amadovar, but, like, he, he look, even kind of looks like him in it. And um, a gay film director who is reflecting on his career because one of his early films is going to have, like, this revival screening at a theater. And um, it has him, like, flashing back to his childhood with his mother, played by Penelope Cruz, and his and her attempts to get him into, like, a better education system because they are very poor. Um, and then him and his relationship with the star of his movie, who he, like, had a falling out with. And then also him reflecting on, like a former lover who has like suddenly re-entered his re-entered the picture and um all while he is dealing with this fact that he might be dying of some um <laughs> disease and it's very like for Alvin over it's very slow and um not like it's never quite leading towards something it really just more like episodes of this person's life and some of the, some of those episodes work more than others but there's a lot to like about it and Tony Banderas is great. Penelope Cruz is great. And it, there are just some really, really well done scenes that don't quite feel like Amadoras because they're not very melodramatic, but like mm. work. Like there's one like really beautiful scene of Antonio Banderas talking to one of his former lovers and they just kind of like reflect on their relationship and like how it changed them. And it's like, it's like beautiful. And I, I love watching career directors like write things like that because that's something that like as much as a straight director could try to do a great gay movie, like that emotion of like meeting a former lover when you're like, when you're in a queer relationship is just like hard to replicate. And they do a very nice job of it. And I, and I told is really good. 
really good. So I don't know. I'm very curious to see, see how you how you take it because I just like I don't know. Almodovar is so interesting. I'm I'm so happy I'm finally up to date on his movies. Yeah. Did you end up watching The Matador when you were um, doing that that whole watch of watch of his stuff? I didn't. That was one. Was that on the Criterion one? I can't remember if um. I- believe so it, it, it's so good i think you'd really like that by the way just as a as an aside i have to, that i think that was the only one i missed that was on criterion and then i want to see broken embraces but it wasn't on their lineup but um yeah. i gotta he's so good fucking um all about my mother ruined me that movie oh it's, oh it's oh my god that fucking film jesus christ so good so good yeah <laughs> and the skin i live in great movies everyone go watch them <laughs> word 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 um yeah and then uh the final one um which you i I think is your your number one coming out of the festival is parasite the uh bong joon ho film yeah this this movie people this movie um i i i will not be spoiling anything about it because this is like i as every critic who has reviewed it i think has said like go in knowing as little as possible well even a trailer says that you know it's like there's yeah, a and I, the trailer that's like um, it, you think it's one thing and then it's something else. Yes, and the trailer is fantastic because it truly does not spoil anything. Like I, I even went back and watched it after seeing it, and like you truly cannot predict anything from that trailer. So it's like excellent job by Neon marketing this movie. Um, so what I will say about it, which is in the trailer and um, totally fine to know, it is about this poor family in South Korea who start one by one, like infiltrating essentially this incredibly wealthy family by taking jobs that they are not qualified for, but desperately need to pay the bills. Um, And they get closer and closer with this rich family. And there's tension between them, obviously because there's like incredibly wealthy. And then the other family is like incredibly poor and um, you think it's one thing. Like, it's a comedy of manners, essentially, for quite a while with, like, this slight tension in the background because you're like, okay, when, they, when are they going to find out this con? But then halfway through the movie, in, like, the middle of a very long scene, something happens. And it's not quite a plot twist. It's more like you just get a piece of information that, like, you just didn't know before. Mm-hmm. And it totally changes the movie and it becomes this movie that's still funny but is like intense and dramatic and very suspenseful and it becomes like fascinating and i just like i don't i I don't want to even describe what makes it work so much because i don't want to even like risk giving hints but like (laughs) it is um this incredibly effective movie about exploring capitalism and um the differences in class and like the lack of empathy between classes essentially and um just it's it's stunning like it becomes this movie that i did not expect it to become it's it's really effective the last 10 or so minutes are just like like powerful filmmaking like the best comparison i could think about of what I think it accomplishes is like similar to how get out is like this movie that kind of just became like the definitive film about racism in America in 2019, where it is, it's a funny movie. It's very entertaining. Like anybody could kind of enjoy get out, but like it's powerful at the end. And, and like 
a very important movie. This is that, but about like economic um, hmm. differences, I think. Like it is this movie that is just like by the end of it, I'm just like, damn, like I don't think we ever need another movie about like rich versus poor <laughs> people again. Like this movie basically says it all. And I don't know. I loved it. And I'm really happy. Um, Katie Rich wrote an incredible article for Vanity Fair about it. That was like half review, half just analyzing its Oscar chances. And like, this is that rare foreign film that I really think like will go all the way. Like, I think this is a movie that we're going to be talking about throughout the Oscar season. Um, it's one of the most well-reviewed movies of the year by, by quite a margin. Um, yeah, already. I mean, people, the, the response of critics is really effusive and, you know, which is great. Yeah. I just think this movie is going to be such a big deal. It will, I, I usually, I usually hate ranking movies <laughs> so far ahead of the year. Like I don't do a, a ranking as you go across because like, you know, you rewatch things and things change. It will take a very great movie to not make this my favorite of the year. Like oh. It is just like, it's so good. And I, I, I don't know. I just think like, I cannot wait for other people to see it so I can talk about the ending with him because right now I am just like going to whoever will listen and being like, it's so good, but I'm not going to say anymore, but it's so good. <laughs> and just, I don't know people watch this movie, watch this movie. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. No, I'm very excited about it, especially because I keep seeing the goddamn trailer over and over again. I've seen it. I swear to God, 50 times. And like, I just need the movie <laughs> to come out. So I have, I can stop seeing that trailer. It's a great trailer, though. Like, it's one yeah. of my. It's like one of the best edited trailers of the year. I think it's a very good trailer. I'm just getting like sick of it. You know, you know yeah. what I mean. Like, it's just, when you see something too many times, absolutely. Um, that's why I've never seen About Time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is a a weird throwback, but damn. Uh, I, listen, I saw that that trailer so many times that a friend and I used to start quoting it to each other because we were like, we knew the music cues it just too many times. Um, <laughs> the movie that makes every straight man cry. <laughs> oh my! Apparently, but like, I just can't i can't every time i like get close to watching it on a streaming device i'm like i just i can't get over the trailer and what it did to me um so <laughs> you're not missing much cool. sorry straight friends <laughs> <laughs> there were some films that you did not see it at at uh, the festival that are that are quite buzzy there's joker which also all of the um critics i trust hate so that's great for me um, but boy, I can't wait to be told about it by some fucking boy. Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out when I'm going to see that because there was no way in hell I was seeing it at Toronto. <laughs> like, what a waste of a uh, slot there. But like, I I just I don't want to see it with anybody. Like, it's sort of thing where it's like I'm like, when can I go to the theater and there'll be no one else there? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I I am dreading that movie so much. Yeah, I yeah. Whatever. I mean, I'll probably end up reviewing it just uh, for many reasons, but um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I'm not looking forward to it. And I just am not looking forward to it. Um, there was The Goldfinch, which is apparently terrible, um, which, you know, having read some of the book, you know, I'm, I'm like a, th- a third of the way through it or something like that. Um, I'm audio booking it. I'm not reading it. Um uh, I can't imagine it making an, a compelling film, so uh, I'm not surprised that it's supposed to be quite boring. Um, I hate that book. That's like one of my big literary hot takes. Um, you know, you're not the only person in the industry, like publishing, who has said that to me, honestly. I think, and I feel like this sounds so fucking snobby, but like, like 
I I think I mentioned this to you before. Like it, when I did my English major, like Dickens was like one of my like my just obsessions, and I read like so many of his books. And she's trying so hard to like do like a modern day Dickens, but it's like it's too much. And I'm just like like do your own thing. Like it's like like when like when it keeps on just like obsessively going to every single Dickens trope, I'm like I I'm like I don't know. And also it has like a weird gay thing at the end that I I I'm just like. This is too underexplored, but um, I feel like uh, I already also know what that is. <laughs> yeah, you probably do. I don't know. It's a. I, I'm seeing the movie on like Sunday afternoon by myself before I see Hustlers, and I'm like, God, I'm gonna need to like, bring a coffee into the theater. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it once we've both seen it because I'm gonna probably see it on Friday or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just mentioned the uh, the other film, the big buzzy film that premiered, uh, Hustlers, which I already have a review up for. I got to see it early, not at TIFF, um, but um, because I got to see it early, uh, I also got to post it when the embargo went up at 2 a.m. on Sunday. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, uh, you can read my review on the site. I think it's a fucking masterpiece, people. It's great. Um, I feel like there's no one who doesn't know what it's about but at this point, but what the hell? I'll say it. Um, it's a movie based on a true story of um, the strippers at Scores Nightclub in New York City who began to, after the um, economic downturn in 2008, um, basically destroyed their uh, client base, decided to start um, making sure they got their money by drugging the men um, who came to the club or, or that they had used to come to club, whatever, um, with a mix of ketamine and like, uh, MDMD or something like that. It's like, it should kill them. There's actually a good scene where they have to figure out that cocktail that is played for comedy. Um, which sounds bizarre, but, um, yeah. And then it's, it's that true. It's an adaptation of that story. It is directed by Lorraine Scafaria. Um, it's got JLo in it and Constance Wu and Lily Reinhardt and Lizzo and Cardi B and Kiki Palmer. It's and um, uh, so many great actresses in it. Um, and it's like the thing that I like the most about it is that it is a incredibly like sex positive female empowerment sort of thing even before what before especially before they start drugging people let's say um and then afterwards even more like it it becomes something else it it almost becomes a there's no me too stuff in it because it's set in starts in 2006 i believe and then moves from there um and then catches up to like 2013 i think when they 2013 or 2015 when they eventually get caught and then when there's a sort of framing device where Constance Wu's character who's kind of the main character um is talking to uh, a stand-in for the journalist who wrote the article from New York Magazine um so yeah there's that's what it's about um it's so good it like I said this on like when I posted the review on Facebook um, see it in a theater that has good projection because it's the cinematography is dark because they're in a nightclub for a lot of it. Um, s- but it's really like sexy and inky sort of shadows. Um, so yeah, see it, don't like see it in an AMC or something. Basically they have mostly bad projection, um, uh, or they're, they're too low. So everything will look too dark. Um, but it's getting a lot of buzz mostly because um, J-Lo is so fucking good in it. It is the performance of possibly her career, even though I think Selena is a masterpiece and out of sight, she's very good in. Um, but 
it's like one of the best performances of her of her career. Absolutely one of the best performances of the year. Um, in any for any actor or actress, honestly, she's so compelling in it. Like, I'm sure it'll eventually get once it's on a wider out on a wider scale. I get a lot of comparisons to um, Matthew McConaughey in um, the first Magic Mike, but she's even more compelling in that in this than he was in that. Her opening scene is the dance that um, that is in some of the trailers, and like it's they show the full routine and constant Wu, Constance Wu was like an audience surrogate in that moment looking at her, you know, where it's like, <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> and her first line, which I, is the, my first line of my review is like, doesn't money make you horny? And she says it to Constance Wu. And I was like, I mean, my, my theater, like of critics who were like the, one of some of the first people seeing like broke out in cheers. It was like so good. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, and every music cue is really good. I didn't get to mention that in the review, but like it is a perfectly score or um, soundtrack film because it's period piece technically. So, every time they're dancing to something, it has to be, you know, something that would be played in 2000, you know, 2007 or whatever, or 2012. Um, and the costuming is really smart. Um, Cardi B is really good in it. Um, all the actresses are great in it. It's just a really good movie. And the like bizarre sexual tension slash like, I don't know, romance friendship situation between Constance Wu and JLo is like, I mean, I was, I was going to pass out. It was like insane. <laughs> um yeah everybody should see it um i i will say I, the after the people in my screening were very hyped and most of the um critical response i've seen is very hyped but i was in a screening yesterday for a film um i, I don't need to name it but um there were a couple of critics talking and i've actually heard this uh, among a couple critics like i feel like the backlash is about to start oh, no. um where they're like i don't get it like I don't know. I don't know what there is in, there is to not get. Um, but I think it might have a problem with older audiences is my my guess. Because the lukewarm responses I've seen have been um, older critics or older viewers, frankly. I, I agree. Um, I haven't seen it, obviously. But, like, did you yeah. read A.O. Scott's review in the New York Times? No, I didn't. I usually like him. So I was surprised that, like his review was like this, but it was just like the entire thing was like this idea of like, why should I want to sympathize with them? They're still doing crimes. And I'm just like, I'm like, God, like you would never write that for a review about like the departed or something like that. Like, it's just like, what a weird yeah. view of, a, of that, that film. <laughs> that is, I tell you, that is a very fascinating response that I keep seeing of like, they're gangsters, but it's like, what, that's never stopped you before. So mm. what's the what's the real issue here? And I think a lot of sexism is going to play into the way that that film is responded to and written about and, and eventually whether it gets into the awards conversation or not. I mean, I already had some little like robot troll um, on Letterboxd attack me over it, like over my joke review on the <laughs> website, which is like what like, sweetie, when you're trying so hard to troll that you don't even get a joke, like truly kill yourself. You're not adding anything to society. <laughs> it's not like he has a girlfriend, I'm sure. Um, oh wait, he does. We talked about it. <laughs> we did, uh, yeah. <laughs> in our, in our yeah. private chat. <laughs> He's got a wife who hates herself, and uh, obviously. Um, anyway, um, just reading people to fill subtweets. Um, <laughs> but yeah, everybody should see it. I I think it it will have a problem with um, sexists and old people everywhere, but that's not the movie's fault. Um, 
oh well. And there's also, I honestly, one of the best cameos I've ever seen. And I, I told um, Matt to avoid uh, JLo's interview on Fallon because it spoils that um, that cameo. And I didn't know it was coming. And I like my audience tr- again, all critics fucking clapped. I swear to God, they were just like, I can't believe this person is in this. I'm so curious. Um, I saw someone mention like an athlete being in it, and I'm like, I hope it's not that because I truly will not even recognize them. No, it's <laughs> not that. You, you, oh, you'll know who it is. You okay, know. good, good, good. It was a fabulous. Um, oh, it's fabulous. Um, yeah, it's so fucking thrilling. And they call back to it in the credits. Even it's so fun. Like perfect. there's like a a brief mid credits scene that calls back to I think the best moment in the whole film. So. Just stick around. Um, no, um, it's funny. I was I, I was never even considering seeing it at Toronto. Not because I didn't want to see it. Like I'm so hyped for it, but because I was like, oh, it opens so shortly after I go. Like, why would I go there? But the day after it premiered, I was just like so bitter because it was just like you could feel it in Toronto of like yeah. everyone talking about. It. Like it was the movie that caused conversation, and I cannot wait. I I saw your um. I think you, t- you tweeted it. I don't remember for sure about like seeing it on a theater with a like, good projection. And um, I like texted my friends that I'm going with, and I was like, "Do y'all care if we see it in Dolby?" And they were like, "What's Dolby?" And I was like, "Cool, I'm gonna buy tickets for Dolby." Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, thank you. Um, that's the joy of having friends that don't really follow movie stuff. Yeah, and um, I'm for some tickets. Yeah, I'm just like I'm really hyped for this movie. I think it looks so good. It's uh, honestly, it's so, I mean, it's just so well made. It's impeccably well made. There have been um, some complaints about the pacing, which I get because it's covering so much time, but I just think it's just so slick and exciting. And like, again, I think you make a good point of like so many people forgive that kind of stuff with like Scorsese films, which it's been compared to a lot or like gangster films. So it's, it's telling when that same grace is not delivered to this film, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's go through um, the promised top six awards. Um, you have a more comprehensive list, I'm sure. So I'm going to let you start each one, frankly, because I just <laughs> I just threw something together at the end of the day kind of thing. Um, you want to go from best picture? You want to say best picture for last? Or what do you think? We'll do like support. We'll do it the way the Oscars do it. Let's do it the way the Oscars do it. Fuck OK. It. <laughs> All right. um, we're going to a winner, basically, for each. Yeah, category. yeah. Um, Want to start um, with the boys because they're less interesting? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, I'm gonna start with the boys. Um, so, supporting actor, who is your choice, or what are your prediction? I guess. So, gun to my head right now, I think this will be Brad Pitt's award um, mm-hmm. for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I just think like there are some other possibilities. Um, I think Jamie Fox got a lot of momentum at TIFF from Just Mercy. Um, and so did oh, Anthony Hopkins for the not, two Not folks. to read, not to uh, talk about things that were said in, in a screening, but the ladies in my in my screening from last night who who talked about Hustlers were not not positive on that film, by the way. Ooh, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Um, I I did not see that at TIFF, so I I don't know, but um, it just seems like an Oscar movie. But um, the. Um, but yeah, I just think I like they're gonna want to give Once Upon a Time in Hollywood something, mm. and um, I think Brad Pitt, out of all the performances in it, is the easiest to reward. Plus, he has the narrative of just never getting an acting Oscar. So mm. I don't know. Th- this feels like it could be his year if he campaigns. 
Yeah, that's a really good choice. Um, I kind of, I, I'm actually thinking it's going to be. Um, I mean, it's a kind of a wild guess, but I think depending on how the buzz is for the film and all that, but I think there's like a narrative behind the actor that I'm that I've chosen of like we should have done it a couple years ago or like it should happen, and I think it's going to be Willem Dafoe for the Lighthouse. Um, which I haven't seen, but uh, I assume I'm assuming though that Robert Pattinson is the the lead of that film. Technically, yes, no. Uh, yeah, I think there's a world where you could say they're both leads, but Willem Dafoe being supporting sounds sounds fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my that's my guess because like I don't know, it was so shocking when he didn't win for a uh, Florida Project a couple years ago. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think and people he's like universally liked, and I bet you the the like press tour for that is going to be really fun because like he's weird and Pattinson's kind of like a goofball so I don't know I just think that if if anything there's going to be a nomination there at least you know what I mean I could see it I like it's a weird movie but they they nominated for that fucking Van Gogh movie so like <laughs> exactly I, I think they I agree I think they want to give him one yeah and I don't know the other thing I could see happening is the lighthouse bolsters his momentum for that that awful looking movie that Edward Norton directed that he's in, um, motherless yes. Brooklyn. So like, that's I think getting a, that looks very, this had Oscar buzz prestige bullshit for sure. It does, but it's the sort of thing where I'm like, shit, like that's the thing where they can just be like, fine, we'll nominate you. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I think point. he'll be a factor. Like, I think he's going to be a big deal this year. Yeah. Regardless of what it's, he's nominated for. I think he's, I think he might win one. Um, all right. Supporting actress. Supporting actress. So, um, obviously, the talk of the world right now is J Lo, and I think she, I, I will say I think she'll be nominated, but I'm not ready to say she'll win yet. Um, I think this is going to be Laura Dern's year. For um, mm-hmm. honestly, either Marriage Story, which premiered at Toronto, uh, premiered at Venice, but played at Toronto, and is getting incredible reviews, and she apparently has like a really good supporting part in it. I saw one tweet out of Tiff saying that, like, she has a monologue mid-movie that people broke out into applause after. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she um, just has this great rem- momentum from Big Little Lies. And then also, like, even if Marriage Story doesn't quite hit, which I think it will, um, I think Little Woman, she has one of the best parts in Little Woman. So, like, I I think this is Laura Dern's year. I think she, I think she could, will win for one of those two movies. Yeah. No, that's a good call. I mean... She that she's again universally liked, and um, I th- she's she did a lot of work with the academy in the last couple of years, right? Am I am I wrong about that? Yeah, she was nearly their president, I think, right, or whatever. Exactly. Which I was like, damn it! Imagine a world where she ran oh the God. Oscars. <laughs> oh yeah, no, totally. Um, so yeah, like she's well liked in the industry, and you know she's a she has the history she's a you know the the kid of two great actors so yeah i don't know I, that's a great choice um i i don't i mean in my heart of hearts i don't think j-lo will win because of the sexism of it all but i will say i'm gonna put out positivity into the world and like she's absolutely gonna get a nomination i think at this point um and i also think she does have a chance because the as we've talked about many times the season is really about campaigning more than it is about mm-hmm. merit and she is so fucking charming on every interview she's done and i think she kind of i think she's ready to campaign really um and honestly she's so good in it i think it i i think i'm going to i'm going to just you know lay my heart on my sleeve and say it's going to be jlo basically cuz i can't I, oh, oh i would love that 
I mean, she's also fucking in talks with the Super Bowl, so she's going to be in the spotlight for the next, like, however many months. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, um, like, I was looking at, like, we don't have to go into, like, every, no- like, predicted nomination, but, like, the supporting actress field is weirdly weak this year. And, yes. like, like it's the sort of thing, like, Meryl Streep has the laundromat, but, like, that movie's not exactly well-liked. And, um... Yeah. Like, I mean, that's probably gonna, it's Meryl Streep, but like, I don't think they would let her win. I don't think Margot Robbie will get nominated. I think she has too small of a part in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, that's my only. That's really my big justification for the J Lo thing is that like the the category is not is kind of weird this year. Mm-hmm. It's a very weird year. Um, the one other person I could see maybe emerging because the movie hasn't premiered yet is um, maybe Florence Pugh for Little Women, like. The that trailer gives Amy quite a bit to do. She has like probably the second biggest arc in the movie after Joe, and um, and it looks it sounds like they wrote her out more. I mean, I haven't read the books, but it looks like there's like based on the trailer, it looks like they've given her more to do. You know? Yeah, it seems like I forgot what podcast said this, so I'm gonna steal from them. But um, like I like they're making. They're redeeming the character of Amy, who people usually hate, but like, um, I like I think she's a very fascinating character. But people usually hate her, and it seems like they're going to be like, "This is Amy's side of the story," sort of thing, which I think is fascinating. I mean, I like that's interesting. I, I never disliked Amy. I've only seen, I mean, I've seen like two or three versions of, by, of it at this point. But yeah, I think I don't know. Amy's fine. Like, <laughs> it's not her fault. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, whatever. Uh, things work out whatever um <laughs> i'm like getting offended over amy um uh oh uh best actress uh or no we should do a best actor and you know save the ladies for last um best actor what are your thoughts huh, this is a weird one because i really like i i hate that i'm about to say this um <laughs> i think akeen phoenix is gonna win like i'm fully oh, just like same. You think you think so? Okay, yeah. I'm buckling in and just being like, "Fuck!" Like it's gonna happen. Because <laughs> he's the constant. Where even if people hate the movie, um, they're like, "He makes is quite good in it." And um, also, he's campaigning so fucking hard for this movie. It's like he's never won. I mean, my god. Like Wait, he, um, he's never won. He's never won. Oh shit! But, I forgot he didn't win for. Uh, I was gonna call it walk hard. Um, <laughs> you, you know what I mean. <laughs> walk the line. Yeah. <laughs> well, my old thing was I'm like, where was his energy when the master was nominated? Hakeen. Like it's like the master is like my favorite leading male performance of the decade, and I'm like he's so good in that. And yeah, damn it. It feels like suddenly he was like, wait, I do care about the Oscars, and I'm like for this movie. For a Todd Phillips picture, but the only other person I could see maybe doing it is Adam Driver, who's apparently like all sorts of brilliant in um, Marriage Story, but like he's just too new, and we all know the the Academy hates like young men. (laughs) Yeah, they hate young men. I mean, I hope Adam Driver could pull through. He's got a lot of stuff this year. You know, he had the zombie movie earlier in the year. He's got Star Wars later. So maybe, I don't know, him being around a lot like everybody else will will help out. But yeah, I think he's too young. Because he would be my guess. He would be my guess if, if for whatever reason, Joaquin Phoenix weren't, you know, going to probably win. Um, Best actress, who's your guess? We're back to... (laughs) My wavelength. Um, um, so literally, like up until like five hours before recording, I was going to say um, Sasha Ronan for Little Women because okay. I feel like she's someone who could get a good narrative about her. 
Yeah, she's she, young too, and they love that for girls. She's young, and she's still been nominated three times, which is kind of insane. Yeah. Um, but um, like, I've thought about it more, and we both saw the same Richard Lawson tweet. Yeah, and um, yeah, I gotta say, um, I think it, it's going to be Renee Zellweger <laughs> for Judy, yeah. um, I, I, which I'm here for. Like, yeah. go for her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it, I, I thought that beforehand too, honestly, before anybody had even seen it, I was like, there's no fucking way she's not going to get at least nominated and probably win that thing. Cause people are happy that she's back and she's starting to get out there. Do you know what I mean? And then she had that fucking great quote about, um, like gay rights today. Did you see that there? No, I saw there one from some, like her profile, but I didn't oh see anything. There was some fabulous interview or profile or whatever where, and there's a moment in where, um, somebody asked her like, how do you feel about like being still like, um, you know, uh, having so many fans in the gay community? She's like, I mean, she does in like, somebody made, made the point of like, oh, usually it's just that thing of like, I love it. Thank God for that. Like love the gays. But she was like, um, she had this really like thoughtful answer that was like, you know, I, I'm not in that community, but like, I'm, I've, I've, ex- I, everyone else in, I've, I know every other facet of it that I could possibly know as like a straight woman, basically. It's like, I've been an ex-girlfriend. I've been a supporter, a constituent. And it's like, it's just like, she lists all these things and it's like, and then it ends. And I was like, God damn, she's like, she's <laughs> going for it. She wants that Oscar. That's <laughs> like, amazing. Yeah. Good for her. Good for her. <laughs> like the, the tweet I saw it with was literally just like, um, Renee Zell- Zellworker said gay rights. And I was like, Oh, what did Renee do? And I was like, Oh my God, she did. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, oh, I'm excited. Yeah. There, in my, I think there are two versions of my predictions in a way of the the ideal world and the um the dystopian world. And I think in the dystopian world, Scarlett Johansson wins because she really all the crap she's been saying really speaks to the um male voting body, of, like the entire of all the entire male voting body of the um the Academy. Yeah, I think. There's a world – like I was thinking about her briefly. I think she'll be nominated for Marriage Story. But like mm-hmm. every review – and maybe this is just because of the culture right now. Like every review is more about Adam Driver than her. So yeah. I'm just like maybe they'll both be nominated. But I feel like people will notice Adam Driver more. It I does feel like the critical community has – we've all quietly decided that we're quietly punishing her for mm-hmm. everything. <laughs> I I think so. Like it's like – and, and I mean, it's a long time till the Oscars. Who knows what she's going to to yeah. say then? It's constantly a threat. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, hopefully, her PR team has put her in a cage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like she has to stop because I want to see Black Widow for Florence Pugh, and I like I don't want it to be an issue. God damn it! Um, yeah. Uh, how how about let's move to director? What are your thoughts on director? Um, so this one is like funny because like I don't think there's really a front runner yet that we can safely say. Yeah, not um, at all. But like in a weird way, I could see it being Tarantino. Like yeah. I think that's like the narrative of like he's never won for directing before. Um this movie is probably going to do very well with the Academy because it's like about Hollywood and everything like that, and they love that. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I just like in a weird way in this world where like Tiff is done, all the movies have premiered. Like, um, it's, like it's not actually done yet, but like all the movies have premiered, and um, like there's the only movie we're still waiting to see really is um, The Irishman. Mm. Like, I'm just like I and Little Woman. I'm just like I don't know. Like, 
I think it makes sense for that he would get this directing Oscar, but like, who knows? I could dream that it's um, Bong Joon Ho, but I think who I think will be nominated. But I think um, yeah, I think Tarantino wins it. Yeah, no, I agree. Actually, um, I I think there's enough good good vibes about that film in the industry and for up to him and uh, you know again the backlash of Me Too I think is sorry there's a motorcycle going by. Um, uh, it, it will will bolster him because so much has been leveled against him um, for being the problematic person that he is. And like, I think I think all those people you named are basically going to be nominated too. It's like it's totally going to be Tarantino, Phillips. I, it's going to be Todd Phillips is going to be nominated. I think. God, um, I hope not. That's that's I, something I, that I can't get behind. I, think I haven't no predicted way. him yet. <laughs> I honestly think there's no way it doesn't happen. Um, Greta Gerwig, which is really what a comparison. Um, can't wait to watch that round table. Um, oh God, horrible. Um, Bong Joon Ho and then Scorsese for sure. That's the five. There it is. I just gave it to you, everybody. The only one I would say maybe swap in is um, Sam Mendes for 1917 because mm-hmm. um, that movie had, and I don't mean this in a bad way because I'm excited for this movie, but like that has like the gimmicky hook of like it's presented as all one shot. Yeah. So I'm like, ooh, I could see him hopefully replacing Phillips, but probably replacing Gerwig. <laughs> and yeah, it's the same. Well, no, probably, I would think, I bet you replace Bong, right? Or, or Scorsese even. Yeah, I. This is maybe going to make me look stupid in a few months, but I could, I almost wonder if the Irishman is going to be well received. I don't know. I'm excited for it, but like, I think it's going to be a disaster. I'm just like I'm like I don't know. I get weird vibes like. Yeah. Only doing New York and then like being three and a half. I, I'm I will gladly watch a three and a half hours Scorsese movie, but I'm just like, but why is it three and a half hours? Like, I don't know. I'm I'm very curious about how that movie gets received. Yeah, I think that's either going to be great or a piece of shit. I mean, it's not going to be. I don't think there's going to be like mid lukewarm reviews. It's going to be effusive or or uh, uh, making fun of it. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. The big category: best picture. What are your thoughts? This is really tough because. Like, okay, so I'm going to say right now I think it makes sense for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to win mm-hmm. only because nothing has really emerged from Toronto as, like, a narrative. But, like, similar to Green Book, I think there will be, like, a movie will emerge eventually. Like, I could see maybe, like, um, what's it called? Just Mercy being, like, this late loved movie or um, Little Woman. So, like, I don't know. I Like, I think... And even, like, this is a pipe dream, but, like, even I can imagine where, like, Parasite dominates conversations so much where, like, it wins us pictures. So it's, like, mm-hmm. right now, once upon a time in Hollywood, but I don't think we have a frontrunner yet, t- truthfully. Yeah, I agree completely. I, it's funny. I, I didn't think we'd agree as my, on as many as we are. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, like, for now, it's once upon a time in Hollywood, but you, we both know how long that the the season hasn't actually started yet. Um, really, really, um, in yeah. earnest and too much stuff is going to come out. Uh, yeah. I, th- I, I think it'll right now it's once upon a time and, uh, maybe it'll stick around. And again, I think the backlash of, of the social movements of the last couple of years benefited a lot, but, um, yeah, I, I hope something else comes up and pushes it out of the way. Yeah, I looked up before we recorded like what I was predicting for the big six categories at this time last year. Because yes, mm-hmm. I do say I save these things, which is embarrassing. And um, well, how else do you learn? You know. Yeah, and I just like last year. This time, I thought Black Clansman was going to win picture, and it's like 
I but, mean, I made fun of you for that very early on. <laughs> but I predicted Coleman and Regina King. So I was like, hey, I got two. But um, but yeah, it's just like it's a long Oscar season. So yes, yes. we'll see. We'll see. But I also predicted Chalamet and um, Bradley Cooper. So, you know, yeah. you can't win them all. <laughs> Boy, we can't win them all. Boy, I, I really hope J Lo just just fucking campaigns like you won't believe. Oh, I you know what? She should schedule her wedding for like November. Perfect timing. Oh. <laughs> just keep the momentum going. Keep, keep that momentum. She's just coming off a great tour. She's uh, you know she, she's getting great buzz in the movie. Then she gets married. Then she does a Super Bowl. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Um, she single handedly is like saving STX films. Like God bless America. God bless her. I mean, China realistically is what I should be saying. Yeah, uh, she's, <laughs> <laughs> she's carrying that studio on her back. <laughs> carrying it. I mean, look, she she has the stamina. She's a dancer. <laughs> she does. Fuck, I'm so excited for Hustlers. <laughs> Bro, I can't wait for you to see it. Um, that is basically covers our whole our whole deal here. Um, we'll be back in a couple weeks, I'm sure, with one of these. Um, possibly after Fantastic Fest, we're going to have – I'm sure we'll have Sean Cordy on. Um, he might be seeing some of the same movies that you've seen, and, and I'm sure he'll be seeing other ones. Um, and, again, you know, more stuff's coming out, so I'm sure we'll have stuff to talk about. We'll have to talk about The Goldfinch. We'll have to shit on The Goldfinch, which is – We'll have be a Judy. Spot. We got Judy yeah, in just Judy. two weeks. <laughs> oh, we Get got – Bro, we got invites to that, and they're all like, "I can't go to any of them." They're like at 10 a.m. I'm, I'm. It kills me. It's go. okay. I was gonna after we stopped recording. I was gonna try to arrange a day to see it with you, so it works out. Perfect. There you go. <laughs> all right. Um. Uh. I'm at Marissa Carpico everywhere. Um. Read my hustlers review. I think I'll have. I. I probably will re- end up reviewing the Goldfinch this weekend. Um. Uh. So look out for that possibly. Um. Uh, Matt, uh, what what are your socials and what do you have coming up? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at MattNetMatthew1. And then I'm also on Letterboxd at um, MattT. And then um, you can see all my Toronto reviews coming up over the next few um, days or weeks. Um, I'll be at New York, the New York Film Festival at the end of the month slash early October. So you can expect some reviews around then. Um, and then on the TV side of things, I'll be reviewing The Politician, the new Ryan Murphy show. Um, mm. at the end of the month and I'm going to write about succession at some point because that is my obsession. I can't believe you writing. haven't already written something about it. I, I got to wait for the end of the season. I wanted okay. to write like a, a magnum opus about how it's the best fucking show of all time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, I got to start watching it because so many people love it. It's so good. Yeah. God, it's so good. Uh, watch um, succession people. <laughs> Uh, we probably won't have an episode for a little while because we have to record them and all that stuff but we will be coming back with um, our And the Winner Still Is podcast fairly soon Um, Mm -hmm. we haven't decided when we'll start rolling them out but we're going to start recording very soon Um, so you guys should start watching uh, you know some movies if you are interested in that podcast Um, our first year is 1996 and our second is 1979 so that's a lot Mm -hmm. of movies watch them um, yeah, that's, that's everything. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone.